Father, we come now to open Your Word, and as we do, we ask that You would open our hearts, our minds, our, our, our ability to receive from You through Your Holy Spirit. Just lead us and guide us and teach us this morning. In Jesus' name, Amen. We've been taking our Scriptures for Advent season this year from the book of Isaiah. And uh, today we will be looking at Isaiah chapter 35, verses 1 through 10, which I think are all the verses for chapter 35. And uh, as we prepare to, to, to read it, just uh, again, think in terms of, of all the awesomeness of what Isaiah is saying here. And see if you can't catch some of it that uh, reflect back on some of the sermons that we had just a, a few weeks ago. Chapter 35, Isaiah, verse 1. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the corcus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Strengthen the weak hands. Make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong and fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. For waters break forth from the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water. In the haunt of jackals where they, where they lie down, the grass shall become reeds and rushes. And a highway shall be there and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it. It shall belong to those who walk on the way. Even they that are fools, they shall not go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast come upon it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there, and the ransomed of the Lord shall shall have everlasting joy upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Now, Matthew chapter 11, just a, a, a quick look at that, is, uh, was a few weeks ago that we were sharing from the book of Matthew. We'll continue that after uh, Christmas. And in Matthew chapter 11, we talked about John the Baptist. Now, talk about somebody who was going, you know, it's kind of interesting. I was thinking he was going through a dry desert time at this moment. Because he was in jail, he had been arrested, uh, he was uh, quite sure that he was not going to survive this, and, and he sends to Jesus, his disciples, to ask, are you the one? I, I, it's kind of like, I need to be sure. And so, this is what we find in chapter 11 of Matthew. When Jesus had finished instructing his twelve disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in the cities. Now, when John heard in prison about the deeds of Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come? 
Or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. And the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them, and, the blessed, is, uh, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Those couple of verses in there where the blind see and the, and the lame walk and the deaf hear and the mute speak. We just read that in Isaiah chapter 35 as well. And the, the last part where it says, and the good news is preached to the poor it comes out of Isaiah 61. And so it's a powerful picture that Jesus try, ties together because of all the people, John the Baptist would know these scriptures. He would, he would know them and it was, I can't imagine how much joy might have come to him. In fact, I believe it did. While he was there in prison, knowing that he had done what God had called him to do, he had set up the way and, uh, to call the people to the path, if you will, to follow after Jesus Christ, to repent of their sins and, and, and know that the kingdom of heaven was at hand. And then Jesus would say the same teaching, repent of your sins, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For John the Baptist, this was, was a sense of hope and it was confirmation that Jesus is the Messiah. He could rest with confidence. And I'm, I, I believe with all assuredness that he went to death, not trembling, but with a confidence that he had done all that he was called to do. There is so much in the book of Isaiah. And we're just looking at the, the, the first chapters. In fact, chapters 1 through 39 deal with kind of a series of up and downs. It's almost like you're reading through Judges. Uh, but it, it's, it's the idea of, of, of Isaiah seeing judgment come and then talking to them and, and telling them, but, but God is going to, to, to bring redemption out of this whole thing. And, and up through verse 39, or chapter 39, it seems to be the focus of, of judgment and then God redeeming. And then chapter 40 takes a switch and, and it talks about the one who's going to come out of the wilderness and, and, and prepare the way for Christ to come. And that's John the Baptist. And it goes on through chapter 66 to speak of many things in reference to the Messiah. But even in these first 39 chapters, we see different things of hope in reference to the Messiah. And today in chapter 35, we see Jesus in, in this picture. And, uh, and I'll share that with you this morning. Uh, again, these chapters dealing with judgment of not just the, the, the people who didn't believe in God, but even the, the, the Israelites and, 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 and the uh, people from Judah. You've got to understand that this time in history, Judah and, and Israel were two separate countries. Israel were ten tribes. Judah were two tribes, and the northern tribe, Israel, the northern nation, Israel, had already been conquered by Assyria. And so the, Jew, the Jews of Judah and, 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 and were, were really trembling. They were afraid because they saw Assyria in all its might and, and, and thought, we're next. And Isaiah was writing right during that time of, of uh, Syria's overseeing or ruling over Israel. 
and and scattering many of the uh, the Jewish people to many places at that point. What they didn't see and understand was this was also being written to them because they were not following after God. Isaiah kept pointing it out and it was like they just couldn't hear. And they kept trusting in whatever they could come up with. They were thinking of of all the people to make an alliance with. They were thinking of making an alliance with Egypt. Because they were afraid of the Assyrians too. God says, you don't need any help. You don't need any of their horses and chariots. and so, All you need is me. You know, this had been a story they had heard as a nation before. When they, before they went into the promised land. They came in and they saw the, the fortification. and the, They said, there are giants in the land. You know? uh, and there's great soldiers and great armies. Uh, we're, we're afraid. And God let them wander in the wilderness as a judgment for, for you know, uh, up to, four, well, the total was 40 years. And, and uh, before he let the new generation come in. God was prepared to deliver them. They didn't need any help. God would do it for them. And as we see with the very first conquest with Joshua, how you know, they just stood around the walls and, and, and their, their, their trumpeters blasted their trumpets and they sang and, and through their praise and, 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 and worship at that point, the, the walls came tumbling down. I think there's a song about it. So what I'm trying to say is, is that Israel is, oh gosh, they're just like we are. How many times do we think in terms of, oh, this is what I believe and I get excited about it. Maybe, you know, we have a tendency to want to call them mountaintop experiences. And I've had a few where for whatever reason, you, you know, you, you, it's a point where the Holy Spirit speaks to you and, and, and the conviction comes and you, you realize, I need to recommit my life to the Lord and, and, and follow Him. You may even be reading His Word every day and praying every day and, and coming to church every Sunday and still not resting in the confidence of what God can do. And it's pretty easy, really, to get sidetracked, distracted. All you have to do is turn on the news. You know, it's a, it's it's constant, and it's every bit uh, and it's uh, from what you said this morning. It's every bit as local as it is international. Chaos, craziness going on around us, and it's easy to think, you know, maybe I need to put an extra set of locks on my door. Maybe I need to get a guard dog and a sign that says "Beware of dog." You know, uh, you know, different things that we think about what we might do and other things we that we get concerned about so think about that as we're going through this we're not really any different than than the the the, the Jews that that Isaiah was talking to here in fact initially Isaiah is preached is 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 prophesying in the sense of of a, a future pending doom that is going to come upon Judah but it's going to be Babylon that leads it and comes and captures them and then destroys the city of Jerusalem and, and, and takes their, their people. And, and we know the story of Daniel and Babylon and all these different things that come out of that. And so when the judgment is, is, is 
is being prophesied in reference to the Babylon is coming, a judgment is coming. But God also in the midst of this is the reality that there is a redemption. The people will return. So Isaiah is preaching judgment is coming, but God will bless you and bring you back. And so in the initial context of going through Isaiah, that's the main theme. But within the framework, ultimately, we also see that Isaiah is talking about because there's so many things that happen that didn't happen in reference to the return of the Jews at the time of the, uh, of the, the coming home after the Babylonian captivity that we realize that he's not only speaking of then, but he's also speaking of a future time. The second coming of Christ. The end of sin's reign. The end of the curse that began in Genesis chapter 3. A new heaven and a new earth. But he's also speaking to us right now. So it, it kind of covers the scope of what has happened, what is going to happen, and where we are even today. I want to focus on where we are today as we go through this this morning. He starts off with an amazing picture here. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. Now, obviously, he's speaking in a rather poetic format here. We don't think of, of a wilderness and a land being glad. You know, it's like when we say the trees will clap in, 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 you know, in, in, in a worship. You know, it's, it's, it's a poetic way of looking at things. But he, what he's trying to tell us is that there's going to be a, a great transition, something that's going to change. He says the desert will re, shall rejoice... And blossom like the crocus. Now, this flower is, everybody's not quite sure. Is it a lily? Is it a rose? Uh, I like roses to look at. I think they're one of the most beautiful flowers, so I'll put that in there. But, but the idea is, is that it, it's a flower that covers and is bright and it's beautiful. And, uh, and it's going to cover the, the, the ground. And it shall blossom, and it says abundantly. That's really important. You see why I'm just a minute. And rejoice, uh, and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, and the majesty of Carmel and, and uh, Carmel and, and, and Sharon. And and what he's saying is, is is the Lebanon, the cedars of Lebanon, the majesty, the majesty of Mount Carmel, the fertility of the of the of the, the, the plain of Sharon uh, on the coast. Uh, it's going to be an amazing thing because this is a desert that's going to do this. Now, I immediately you know, go to the computer and I type in various things and try to see you know, pictures of deserts in bloom. Have you ever been through any of the California deserts while they're in bloom? Right after a, a rain? I'm quite amazed at times to see all these colors of, 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 of especially purples and lavender colors, but, but yellow as well. And, and you get over into the valley uh, uh, south of Fresno the same way. It gets really, really dry for long seasons. And then, and then around Kettleman City, I recall seeing the high, it's a little bit higher in a desert area, but around Kettleman City, you'll, you'll come time, sometimes over just after a rain. And it's absolutely green and and, and, and beautiful. Israel's deserts do the same thing. I was amazed to find out that there are some seeds that can lay dormant in the ground as much as 50 years. And then when the water hits them, they bloom. It's amazing. 
But Isaiah describes here not just a normal blooming, a normal covering, but idea of abundantly. More than you've ever seen before. In fact, he talks uh, later on about where the, 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 uh, uh, the jackals lie and make their homes. Those are normally arid places and caves and stuff like that. And, so, and those places will turn into lush areas uh, uh, that are uh, full of reeds and rushes, which means lots of water around to nourish them. This wilderness, this dry land, this desert is uh, going... I, I thought of it, it, it kind of explodes. And, and uh, Dwight Pentecost, he says, spontaneous transformation. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of God. Now, the they here is ultimately identified in verses... Uh, 9 and 10. We'll get to that. But as this happens, people are going to see the glory of God in the process. And so, you see a picture even there of possibly the, the second coming. In verse 3, it says talks about weak hands and feeble knees. And these are signs of fear. Have you ever been afraid, so afraid of, uh, of in a situation where you you're actually your knees wobble? You know the cartoon picture of somebody's knees shaking. You know that that type of and and and, and fear trembling from fear. That's the picture here. Uh, uh, and he says, strengthen the weak hands and make the uh, firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart. In other words, they're looking around them, saying, we can't see hope. We can't feel any relief. Our hearts are anxious. Another way of saying they're stressed out. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong. Fear not. God is coming to save you. God is coming to save you says that he's going to come with vengeance and recompense. And I, and I thought, it's hard for me, I don't know about you, when, I, when I, I have to think of God in the context of his judgment and coming in, in, in a sense of vengeance. That's a hard word. But the idea of this is, is to come with vengeance, meaning in defense of you. He's coming to defend you against your enemies, and he will do so with a vengeance. You can also think of it in terms of, of a jealousy. He is jealous for us. And the word is also the idea of zealous for, for us. He's actively going for it for us on our behalf. That's tied to this picture. And the recompense is, 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 not, is, is to restore what you have lost. So he's going to come against our enemies and he's going to restore what we have lost. And when we bring that into our time and, and our way of thinking, what's the number one enemy that we have that steals from us? Satan. And as we surrender and rest in Christ, what Satan tries to steal from us, what, what, what he tries to take from us, what he tries to deceive us from following after, what he tries to get us to stress out over, we come back to a sense of peace, a sense of hope, a sense of love that God has poured out to us. 
and we begin to, we allow the Holy Spirit to bring us to a point where we are joyous even in the trials and tribulations around us. We can count them joy. He says, as, as we're looking at this, He is coming. God is going to save you. He is, he is coming. Himself, He is coming. And it can't, you can't help but go to First John, or, or John chapter 1, excuse me, and, and think of, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and then verse 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Why did He do that? To save us. And it's what he, he says. He will come and save you. And then, and this is why I, I see a, a tie to this idea of, of the first coming being necessary. The, the things that, that, that happened that Jesus did are showing us that this is who it's talking about. He will come. Who? God, the Word in the flesh. Jesus. The eyes of the blind will be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped, the lame shall leap, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. And I look at this as, as even the idea of, of, of how our souls can be as well. Blind, mute, lame. <laughs> and I don't mean lame like the word, oh, it's so lame. I mean lame in the sense of, 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 of crippled, uh, unable to, to, to move. Then, when the Lord comes, these things are going to happen. And it says, that, and the waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. And I think of John the Baptist as one who came out of the desert in the streams of the... And, and he could be seeing this. He would tie the Scriptures, the, the idea of the, the blind seeing and the lame walking and, and the mute talking. He would tie the rest of this together. The burning sand shall become a pool. Now, I have to tell you, I have been preaching for a few years, and I had not caught this before. The burning sand. It's also the glowing is maybe even a better word. The glowing sand. The idea of burning sand, you get the idea of hot, you can't step on it. And I, and I can see where that would come. And all of a sudden it's going to be full of water and you could walk and refresh yourself, and that type of thing. And I've heard some explain it that way. But when you get the, the full meaning of this word and the idea of the glowing sand, all of a sudden the understanding is, and, the, and there, there's no real good English word for this, but the guy was quoting, uh, I think this was... Uh, uh, I can't remember exactly who it was now, uh, was, was saying in reference to the French word for this is mirage. Well, that happens to be one of our words too. What is a mirage? It's something that you see in a distance, but it's not real. The glowing sun. And we've all probably been at some point, sometime, where the, the sunlight has been at the right angle and it can even happen on asphalt and other things. But think of it in the desert where the sun is shining down and you look off into the horizon and it appears as if there's what? Water. And I thought, oh, fake water. 
glowing sand. A distraction to take you the other way. The glowing sand shall become real. A real pool. It won't be a mirage this time. It's going to be real. It's going to be the real thing. And that got me just kind of excited to think of that. Was, you know, Jesus is the real thing. There's been false messiahs up to this point. And several of them. And there were some afterwards. But Jesus is the real thing. And when you saw Him, you saw the Father. How exciting that would be to start comprehending this. And again, I think of John the Baptist. He's understanding this. I really believe that. Jesus came, God in the flesh. The real thing. Not a mirage. Not false water, but the real thing. And again, the idea of the desert turning into this just lush beauty. Abundant. Uh, you know, uh, I, 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 my, my wife and son like to do a garden every year. They, and, and they really work hard at it. But I can tell you, we, it gets pretty lush. I have, I can, it, 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 it's right outside the window of the bedroom, of my bedroom. I take pictures of it as it encroaches and grows and fills my window. And, and so it, it's, 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 it's quite amazing. And I think of that as abundant. But that's something that man has done. Even though God has, is, is the orchestrator of, of creation that allows this to happen, it's still something we planted, we, we toiled. This is something God does. And it's going to be bigger and better than what you've ever seen before. And so we go to the future for a moment and think of terms of, 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 of a new heaven and a new earth. And I, and I think of, of Randy Alcorn. If you've ever gone through his study on heaven, one of the things is he says, you think you've tasted your favorite food or fruit. He says, it's yet to come. You think you know the best tasting strawberry that you, you know, the best trait, whatever, it's yet to come. And I, and I think of, of that idea of this abundant perfection. And it's resting in the picture of Jesus, God coming to save us. Jesus talks, by the way, about water in the sense of, 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 of Him. You know, he, he speaks to the woman at the well in John chapter 4 about you know, uh, that He is the, the living water. He's the real thing. He's the living water. You, if you come to Me, you will thirst no more. And, I, and what that means is that you, will thirst, you won't thirst after knowing what is real anymore, but you will have a new thirst. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after the righteousness of God. And in John chapter 7, he speaks of those that come to him and become his. Out of you will flow living streams of water. And the idea is water gushing. Living water. And I was trying to think of living water in the sense of, of, of trying to identify the difference between living water and Glowing sand, <laughs> false mirage, 
And I realize it's the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that makes the difference. It's a product of the Holy Spirit in us. When we confess Jesus Christ as our Savior, when, when we receive Him into our heart, we, we acknowledge that He is the Son of God. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit happens. And, it's, and it, now you start to, to, to wrestle with sin that you never even realized was there before. <laughs> I don't know if that's happened to oh, I shouldn't say that. I know it's happened to you. That, that picture of sometimes you get to the point of saying, am I ever going to stop wrestling with this? And the interesting thing is, is that things that weren't sin to me 20 years ago may be sin to me now because it's interfering with my understanding of, of how to relate to God. It, it, it distracts me. Even, you know, in a sense, a mirage. It's, it's, oh, look at that. And for somebody with ADD, anything shiny, if you'll just notice, I just looked out the window because a car went by. I can't help myself. You know, uh, it's, it's, it's that idea of, 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 of just easy distraction. We are easily distracted. And the Holy Spirit in us brings us back to focus. Talks in verses 8 and 9 about a highway. And I thought it was interesting to think of the word highway in the time of Isaiah. I think of roads and pathways and, and, and maybe even the word streets and stuff like that. But I never you know, really think in terms of highways because I can only think of highways in the sense of the way I see highways today. 101, four lanes, you know, uh, bridges over over the, the, the canyons and, and, and over the, the rivers and and all of this kind of stuff. And I was surprised to, to, to find out that that's what this word is talking. It's about something that is raised, elevated up, and you can't miss it. It's the way of holiness. What did Jesus say about the way? I am the way, the truth, and the life. He who comes to, uh, you know, no one comes to the Father but what? By me or through me. Because I am the way. He is the way of holiness. He is the highway. He is the way in. Following after God is what he's talking about here. Of getting on the, the, the way of holiness. Uh, coming to the Lord and seeking Him. He says there's, the unclean won't be on here. It doesn't mean the, the perfect only. It means the unclean, meaning those that are unrepentant. They won't be. They don't want to. They don't want to be on this road. But once you've received Christ, you want to be on this road. I don't know how this happens, but you would think that you, you know, after a few years of seeing what God has done, is doing, and 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 will be yet to do. And, and you would, you know, it should be easier. But, you know, I'm, I'm sometimes as distracted today as I was 20 years ago. Just different things. Well, I have enough money for retirement. Or am I supposed to retire? You know, uh, you know the, the idea of, 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 of looking at different kinds of things and, and, and being distracted by them. Sometimes having an anxious heart. And you read something like this. Don't have fear. Don't be afraid. God has come to save you. To deliver you from this anxious heart. From this fear. 
to put in you a sense of joy and rejoicing. And so I'm looking at this. How, how can I get on this, this, this road that, that leads to Zion? Uh, where there's people singing and, and everlasting joy and gladness and joy. And where there's no sorrow or sighing or, or maybe another word for that would be mourning. There's no sense of mourning. It's gone. It, it flees. It doesn't just you know, linger or, or, or stay. That it flees away. When you're resting in Christ, even the, the, the idea of sorrow and mourning flee away. And on this road, even it says fools, and I, and I, and I jump at that word and, and think, we're not supposed to use the word. Uh, and, and so, you know, what's he talking about? And it's those who, it, 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 it's the idea of tying it together with the idea of somebody who looks at things um, in the most simple way. And, and, and then I realized that this, as I read on in the dictionary with this, those who will always go after the mirage or go the wrong way, even they will see the reality that that road exists and it's there. They can see it. And so if you're looking at this, you have to come to a point you know, as the Holy Spirit is opening your eyes to this and, 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 and you're thinking on this and dwelling on this and saying, how does this work? And, and man, I want this. How do you get it? Well, you've got to be unclean. You've got to be holy. You've got to be perfect. And all I could write here on my notes was too late. So now what do I do? Well, verse 9 and 10 really focus on it. The redeemed shall walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord shall be the ones on this road. The redeemed and the ransomed of the Lord. The Redeemer is the one who buys back what you have lost. And you could possibly have lost them even through foolishness. He buys it back. And if you've been captured and there's a, a ransom due, he pays that for you. Great story of a kinsman redeemer in the story of Ruth. Naomi and, and Ruth and, and, and uh, Boaz, the redeemer. To be ransomed, though, is the reality that the Word came and dwelt among us for a purpose to redeem us, to ransom us, to pay in full the debt. In fact, there are songs that call him Kinsman Redeemer, Passover Lamb, the one who purchased us on the cross. He came literally, and he came to save us. How this ends up is that the joy of the Lord is something that I realize isn't out here someplace. It's in here. Because like the deserts, there's something that's happening in me. It will be completed at a point in time where it's going to be so abundantly clear that I, you know, and, and so awesome to see in its, in, its, in its completion. But it's the idea of the church redeemed. All of us who are in Christ redeemed restored, 
ransomed by the cross, the blood of Christ on the cross. And, and, and the Holy Spirit in me reminding me over and over and over again the reality of what God has done for me. And not that I want to be redeemed, I want to be ransomed, but that I am redeemed, I am ransomed, and there is nothing created on this earth that can take that away from me. And even in my own foolishness, as I get distracted by something shiny or something else, and I drift away for a little while. I think of the. Are you familiar with John Bunyan's The Pilgrim's Progress? He's on the way, and it's a straight place, and he can see it as clear as can be. It's, 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 it's clearly marked. And then he looks off to the side. And he goes, oh. <laughs> and God draws him back. I look at this, verse 10. And the the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. And I realized those are uh, uh, was a popular chorus song. And when I first became a Christian, people were singing it. I realized it it wasn't a new chorus, even then. And and so the words. Uh, or more out of the, the King James Version, but it says, Therefore, the redeemed of the Lord shall return and come with singing unto Zion, and everlasting joy shall be upon their head, and they shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and mourning shall flee away. Now, Therefore, the redeemed of the Lord shall return and come with singing unto Zion, and everlasting joy shall be upon their head. They shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and mourning shall flee away. Now, if I can go that far, you can finish the last of it. Therefore, the redeemed of the Lord shall return and come with singing unto Zion and everlasting joy shall be upon their head. That is a promise from God. We hope in that. We see that. It shows His love for us because He came to make this happen. And, and, and He wants us to rest with it in a sense that brings joy and rejoicing. Not just four or five weeks out of the year, but year-round. He came. He ransomed us on the cross. The words, it is finished paid in full, spoken by Him on the cross. And then it says He died. Gave up His Spirit. Every time we take communion, we think of the reality that we have been ransomed. We have been redeemed. Why? So we can walk on the highway going towards God. The holy way. Interesting name. I was thinking, you know, King's Highway, you know, but that's the El Camino Real. I, I, you know, I, you know the, 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 you know, the highway to, uh, is, is, is the, uh, of holiness. It's, a, it's, it's a highway of, of becoming more and more like Christ as we grow in Him, and not being content with less 
Asking the Holy Spirit, even as we take communion, Lord, not only forgive us, but make me want you more. Uh, Tozer, uh, and, and one of his recorded prayers, if you, you know, give me the desire to desire you more and the want to want you more. I can't even produce that. I need the Holy Spirit to do that in me. Let that be part of your prayer this morning uh, with communion. Ask the ushers to come forward, uh, musicians to come forward. And uh, let's uh, hold communion until we've all been served and we'll share together. What child is this who lays to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping? Whom angels greet with anthem sweet, while shepherds watch our keeping. This, this is Christ the King who shepherds God and angels sing. Days, days to bring Him not the bed, the Son of Bed. Why lies He in such mean a where rocks and ass are feeding? Good Christians the silent word is pleading. Nails pierce, shall pierce him through the cross, be born for me, for you. Hail, hail, the word made flesh, the babe, the son of Mary.
bring him incense, gold and myrrh, come peasant king to own him. The King of kings, salvation brings, let loving hearts enthrone him. Raise, raise a song on high, the virgin's possibly up to a year by this time. He wasn't quite sure. And Jesus gave him these verses and basically, and I'm sure, like I said, he tied it together. He said, God has come. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom. It shall blossom abundantly. And rejoice with joy and singing. And they shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of God. It's an amazing thing to think that the glory of, of God, the majesty of God, hanging on a cross. But He loved us so much. The night that He was betrayed, he took bread at that meal and He said, this is My body broken for you. As often as you eat this, He invited us to do it in remembrance of Him. He shared the bread. And at the end of the meal, He took the cup of wine and shared it with the, the disciples. But before He shared it with them, and asked them to drink it. He said, this is My blood poured out for you. As often as you drink this, do it in remembrance of Me until I come again. And with that picture, He said, share the cup. And they did. 
I think of the words of the song we just sang, Hallelujah, God became a man. God is with us. Thank you, Lord, for being willing to empty yourself and of the, of the things of, of, of heaven and come to earth even as a man, even as a servant to man, even to the point of death on the cross. And even though you knew that the, the resurrection was ahead of you, you still bore all of the pain and suffering and the wages of our sins. Thank you. Cause us to rest with an absolute confidence as we look at you as as our Lord, our Savior, the Son of God, God in the flesh. That we rest in that with a sense of joy, knowing that what you have started, you will finish. You will complete. You started a work in us, you will finish it and complete it. And I think in that sense, we'll be like the desert, just flowing and abundantly blessed. Great transformation. Thank you, Lord, that we can rest with confidence in your grace and your mercy. We ask, Lord, that if anyone is here this morning who doesn't know that grace, who hasn't called on your mercy, that today would be the day of salvation. We ask, Father, that you would go with us and maybe just a little bit in the sense of, of, of this time of the year, maybe a few people might be just a little bit more open. Give us the boldness to be ready to share the living water that You have put in us. Let it flow around us. Begin. We thank You for Your mercy, Your grace, Your love, and we worship You in Jesus' name.